Hi, I'm Joaquin Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. I pray that Jesus ministers to you through today's message and that you are blessed deeply. If you're encouraged, please like and subscribe so you can stay up to date with all of our weekly sermons. Enjoy the message. Whoo, it's a good night tonight. I'm going to talk about process and there being purpose in your process, trusting God in the process, enjoying the process, not despising the process. You guys okay with all that? I don't know how many other people have experienced this, but I've noticed that in my immediate circle of friends, almost everyone has had a hard year. And in my slightly wider circle of friends, it's the same. And I think a lot of us had this mentality, you know, everybody talks about it. 2019, let's not not go there. 2020 was horrible. 2021 was supposed to be better, but it stayed. So everybody had hope for 2022. How many of you came into 2022 going, yes, it's going to be a breakthrough year? And how many of you felt like you've been broken through the year? <laughs> now, we've, we've got the right mindset in this house. I know that. I'm probably just preaching to the choir, but it's a reminder for us. And most of you know this, that usually I don't preach a message. I process what I'm going through. Because if I'm going through it, somebody else has to be. Because, I mean, I know you all are holier than me, but not that much holier. (laughs) But it's been a hard year for a lot of people. Like, multiple people I know, their businesses almost destroyed underneath their feet. People that they trusted in business, stabbing them in the back. Crazy things happening in relationships, in family. Just... It feels like there's something that's coming against what they're going after. Has anybody else felt that? If you haven't, do you know somebody that's felt that? Do any of you know how to raise your hands? There we go. All right. And I've found myself doing this recently. And I know I've talked to others that have done this. It's like, God, help. (laughs) You know, the long, heartfelt prayer. Amen. I need help. I need out of this situation. I need breakthrough, God. How many of you have been there? Maybe we need to stop asking God to get us out of situations and instead asking him to get in them. Because I think I've honestly asked God to let me get out of a process he put me in because it was uncomfortable and I didn't like it and it hurt. I don't want my comfort level to determine the process that I will or will not allow God to take me through. You know, what, what is God doing in me in my process? If I could keep myself focused on the process rather than the prize... 
or the promise. We are a prophetic culture. It's pretty hard to walk in this building and not have somebody give you a word. And if you've done that, tell me how. Because there's hiding places that I don't know about yet. But we are a prophetic culture. It's because we are actively listening and speaking what God's saying. That is a good thing. But a prophetic culture can cause one of two things. Hope for what he's saying or frustration for what you're not seeing. A lot of it's a heart position. And in this prophetic culture, how many of you get so set on the promise that God has spoken that you forsake the process he wants to take you through? You know, when I read my Bible, you may have a different Bible, but when I read my Bible, sometimes the promise is found in the next verse or the next chapter. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's a fast thing. Some of those are 40 years. But we have become a society that is so set on instant gratification. I mean, if you want to know something, you just reach out to Prophet Google and he'll tell you. May or may not be accurate. Who cares? You don't have to wait for anything. Everything is becoming instant. If you don't want to wait for something, there's a faster way to achieve it. But what we lose in that is a process. What happens to us and through us in the midst of getting there. <clears throat> See, when you start feeling stuck, feeling frustrated, or even sometimes feeling alone in your process, you need to turn to God. That's the only place we should be going to find out about the process. Otherwise, you're going to look for other ways to escape the circumstances. And the way you escape becomes a source of strength, and it becomes a coping mechanism for how you move throughout the challenges of life. If I can actually figure out a way out of the process, I've now created a God-filled spot of success and how to get out of something that he may have put me in. If you've read your Bible, there's a few examples of people that have done it their way instead of God's way. It never works out well. See, we've fallen into the trap of thinking that success is not having challenges. And it can even be defined by how someone else's life looks in success. Well, I got that same word. And you're already living it, so that means I should be living it too. Well, I know that guy. I'm smarter than that guy. And he's already successful. So I need to get out of the process of him because I should be already ahead of him. I've had five people this week tell me that God has a plan for me. So I'm going to skip the process to the plan because five different people told me, so it must be now. Glad none of you have ever thought those things. <laughs> See, success can't be defined by whether or not I'm doing good with my life compared to how somebody else is doing with theirs. Comparison is one of the easiest ways to kill the process that God's taking you through. Because you put your eyes on their lives rather than your own. 
You stop actually seeing, God, what are you doing in and through me right now? Instead, you're like, God, I see what you're doing through them. I don't want that because that looks bad. How many of you have ever watched somebody go through a process that you know God's got them and you're like, oh, God, don't do that. I'll give up anything today just for you to skip me past that. If you're comparing your process and complaining about where you're at, you might just end up staying there. Trusting God, being faithful, and praising Him in the process is what allows you to move forward. See, I've said this before. Those who complain remain. Those who celebrate, accelerate. Thank God for the process you're in, regardless of on how it feels, and you'll be moving forward with Him. Complain about it, and you may just stay where you are. See, God's working a process out in you. He's not finished with you. If God was finished with you, you wouldn't wake up tomorrow. If God didn't have more to do with you, you'd be done. How many of you woke up this morning? Not done. How many of you really hope to wake up tomorrow? Not done. See, you thought you were dying and buried. He actually planted you to grow something in you. Isaiah 41.10 Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You guys okay? You good? Should I make this different, funny? Easier? Nicer? Everybody's going to have the best life ever. No challenges. It's going to be sugar and rainbows. God, I don't want that life. <laughs> Somebody said so boring. I'm like, yeah. I was made to conquer things. Conquering things means there's a fight. More than a conquer. Praise the Lord. I'm just going to let him preach. <laughs> How many of you are talking to God? Every day. Not praying. I didn't say how many of you are praying. Not petitioning. Not requesting. Not actually saying God help. How many of you are just talking to God? It's a relationship. There should be conversation. And how many of you are actually asking God four things. Some of you are like, do I raise my hand or not? I'm so confused. How many of you are married in here? How many of you ask your spouses for something? How many of you are afraid to ask your spouse for something? All the men. Uh, 
was gonna say, I was gonna say sorry, but my wife's not in here, so I might have gotten away with that. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> the Bible says you have not because you ask not. But you need to understand something. When you ask something of God, he's going to put you into a process that you sometimes want to skip to the promise and forego the process. See, when you ask God, God, I want, God, can I have, God, please? He's like, oh, okay, puts you into a process. How many of you have kids? How many of you have given your kids everything they asked for the first time, whatever they wanted? Put your hand down. I know your kids. That's a lie. You would be a bad parent if you did that. Does everyone agree with that? Because you as the parent know, especially as they're younger, even as they're growing up, you probably know things about them and about the circumstances they're asking about that they don't yet have knowledge of. And if you were to give them something, it'd do more harm than good. So as a good parent, you're going to put them into a process. You want them to figure certain things out. My girls know this. I used to tell them there are going to be some questions that the answer is going to be no. I'm not going to tell you why, and you don't have to understand. I just want you to know that you don't always have to get what you want. That wasn't easy for them or me at times. Because there's times it's like, I have no reason to say no right now. But I'm going to say no. Why? I want to see where their heart is, and I want them to understand that not everything comes that's asked for. There's a level of maturity that comes with being able to receive a no and be okay with it. There is a level of maturity that comes with not understanding and being okay with it. I needed my girls to trust my answers regardless on if they understood Does that mean they always did it the first time perfectly and it was easy? No. Ask any of them. Never easy. But there was a level of trust that was developed because they knew they could trust me in that process. How much more is God doing that with us? When he says no, our first is why? How many of you ever, God, can I? No. Why? And all of a sudden, it sounds like the phone line got disconnected. There's no more conversation. You start speaking the verb. Why have you forsaken me? And he's just like, I'm just being quiet. Because I need you to trust me, not the answer. He will only lead you into a wilderness to obtain what you need to enter the promised land that's on the other side. When God brought manna, he asked them to take enough for a day. There were multiple levels of trust established with God in that. But he wanted them to learn to trust him and his provision, not an answer that just took care of all the problems. Everything that you're going through is preparing you for what you asked for. How many of you have asked, God, I want more of you in my life? And then he's like, oh, get rid of this. And you're like, what? Why? And he's saying, because it's in the way. But God, I can still have you and this thing. 
I know. Somebody prophesied it over me. God, I, I want all of you in my life, okay? Change almost everything about your life. Wait, no, 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 no. I want you in my life. I don't want my life to change. I just want more of what you're offering. God, I want success. I want to be significant in my life. Great. Humble yourself and put yourself at the lowest place possible. Serve someone without ever being recognized. How is that significant, God? Because his significance looks at things very differently than we do. But God, I'm so busy. I don't have time to do that. You had time to ask. You don't have time to do what's necessary to receive. This feels heavy. No, it's heavy. Not that I've not been going through this lately. You've got to quit complaining while you're in the middle of it. The process is actually necessary. So you may not see now what the process is doing, but when you get to the other side, you're actually going to be okay with what you went through. I honestly don't know if I've ever met anybody that got through the place that God called them to through all the trials and tribulations, all the stuff, all the breakthroughs, all the overcoming they had to do, and said it wasn't worth it. Now, I know a lot of people that in the middle have said it's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. I can't do it. I'm giving up. I don't want this, God. But if they make it through, I have never met anybody that said it wasn't worth it. They're like, you know what? It was easy compared to what the fruit of what's happening in my life is now. The promise of God is so much greater than the process I went through. Yes, Lord. Thank you. Everybody, close your eyes real quick. I'm just feeling this right now. Some of you in this room right now have recently actually been asking God to take you out of the process you're in. I actually feel like this is very clearly a word for several people in this room. I think it's a good word for all of us, but I think some of you it's like, oh, he's talking to me right now. And you've actually almost begged and cried out to God, God, please take this off of me. It hurts too much. I don't want this anymore. But the promise of God whispers back to you and you almost want it to go away. You want that whisper of his promise to go away because the process and the pain feel like they're too much. Right now, I want you to ask God for forgiveness for, for asking for something that he never intended for you. He wants you to go through the process. He wants you to arrive at the promise. 
He wants you to become something in the journey to where he's called you. On your own, just begin to say, God, I'm sorry for asking for this to go away. God, I trust you and I want what you have for my life. Just on your own, begin to do that. I feel like some, some of you, I actually am seeing things in the spirit, but I don't want to point out certain things, but I, I actually see some of you, it's almost like memory bubbles are popping up over your head. It's like, oh, this was something 15 years ago that you said. I've literally forgotten about it, walked away from it, buried it, hidden it, not allowed it to resurface, and God's saying, hey, let me, let me remind you of something that I gave you. You avoided the process so well that you buried this thing, but I'm bringing it back into your life. Some of you are having those memories right now. There's things that you didn't do or are not doing because of the process being too difficult. And he's saying he wants you to re-engage. just going to follow what I'm feeling the Spirit do right now because I actually wrote something before service as a declaration over you but the words I'm about to use contradict what I wrote. <laughs> but hear me. Some of you need to actually make a declaration that you give up. And what you're giving up on is avoidance. What you're giving up on is the fight to not be in a process. What you're giving up on is the things that you've actually allowed to be in between you and the promise of God and the process of God. Some of you need to give up on disobeying the leaning and urge that God has put inside of you. And it's not enough for us to quietly sit there and go, in my mind, yep, that's me. I'm going to ask for something bold because boldness actually creates a radical response from heaven. If you know that you're supposed to give up on fighting the process that God has put you in or one that you gave up years back that you know you're supposed to be in now, I want you to stand up and just yell out, I give up. 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 I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. Thank you, God. Go ahead and stay standing, please. There's something about to happen. See, we unconsciously give people permission to enter into freedom when we step into freedom. Boldness is attractive. Even when people do bold things that are not godly. I mean, all of us have those friends that they're stupid people that do stupid things, and when they do it, you're like, I want to do it too. 
because they were bold enough to do something radical. It's attractive, but when you do it for him, you actually have the backing of heaven. I'm going to wait a couple minutes because there are a few of you that still need to give up, and I can see it. I can see it. Don't allow yourself to miss out on an opportunity to say, God, I'm coming into your process. If you stood up, say it loud. I give up. Father, I pray every person that's standing right now is given Holy Spirit boldness, courage, provision, peace, and grace to withstand the process so that they can receive the promise. God, I thank you that they have been steadfast right now to stand up in boldness and declare that they give up the right to not follow you, to not submit to your process. And God, I bless them right now in Jesus' name. God, I pray the Holy Spirit come over them right now that they feel the tangible manifest presence of God, the fire of God that fills them up, that gives them more than enough to withstand whatever happens in the process. I thank you, God, for the breakthrough in their lives. I thank you for the testimonies that will come tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. That time does not matter anymore. That they've relinquished the ability to fight your process and they've said yes to whatever it is you have. Bless them right now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you can be seated. Sometimes what we feel when we're in a process that God's put us in is alone. And I, I really believe that there are times that God, because he will never leave you nor forsake you. That is truth. It's not a good idea. It's not a fun Christian catchphrase. It's the truth of his word and the truth of who he is. He will never leave you nor forsake you. But that doesn't mean you're going to feel him right here at all times. How many of you have ever felt like God was distant? Yes, sir. Now hopefully you know the truth that he wasn't distant. Our awareness of him is sometimes skewed by what we're allowing. By what we're focused on. And sometimes he's just being a good enough father that he's hiding himself so that you learn to seek him out. Come on. See, if we partner with the lie that God is not in control, he's not actually involved, that it's all the enemy, we give the devil way too much credit sometimes. God says, I'm going to put you in a process and we're like, 
the devil's kicking my butt. God's like, wait, that was, that's, that's, that's me. I put you there. But the devil, the devil's got a big butt. Don't talk about it. Recognize I'm the one that put you there. Jesus was baptized, came out, the Father was pleased, and then the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted. The Holy Spirit led him to be tempted. How many of you are like, God would never tempt me? No, he wouldn't, but he'd lead you to it. Why? Because he wants to see, what do you trust? Do you trust the temptations of what's being offered, or do you trust the one who sent you? The one who's leading you. If we partner with the lie that God is not in control, or that he's even cruel or just toying with us. I have heard so many Christians say, it's cruel that God would let that happen. That's not my God. I don't know who you're talking about, but that's not my God. My God is not cruel. Do I understand why certain things happen? No, I don't. And I don't need to. Understanding is one of my biggest downfalls. Believing in the mysteries, believing in him regardless of what I understand, is all that's really important. But my God is not cruel. He is a good God. And if you believe that he's cruel or whimsical or that he's not in control, then the pain and the process will drive you from God rather than to God. You'll begin to hate the one who put you in the process because you don't understand it. God will give you everything needed. Everything needed to get through it. A lot of times what we need to get through our process is nothing. So that we have nothing to rely on except Him. But how many of you love going through the process with nothing? If you raise your hand, you're a liar. See, it's His grace that's sufficient. His grace. So many people take that on themselves. My grace will get me through. Your grace won't get you to 7-Eleven. His grace is sufficient. Faith in God's grace includes the faith that he gives through suffering. See, we like to say things like, his grace is sufficient. Well, when everything's good, yeah, it's easy, it's sufficient. But when things are really bad, can you still say that with the same conviction? Because the verse doesn't make sense if he's always giving you what you want. If you have no need, if you have no struggle, if you have no suffering, you don't need his grace. So his grace is sufficient, is actually really active when you're in the middle of pain and process. That's when his grace is sufficient. First Peter 5, I think it's verse 10. May the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. After you have suffered a while. I'm going to be honest. Early on as a Christian, when I would read those verses, I'm like, 
That sucks. Sorry. Just what I would say. I didn't understand. Why would I have to suffer a while? God, why would you do that to me? See, I allowed the process to make me turn from him rather than to him. But as I've lived my life and learned that honestly nothing else matters. Because once I actually try to figure out and get through this life without him, I'm a mess. How many of you have actually had the devil come against you? Wow, that's it? The rest of you pray for me right now. Because... I mean, the devil comes against those that love God. How many of you have ever had the devil just come against you? No, it's like, you know, it's not the wrong way of giving the devil credit because God puts you in the process. You're like, no, the, the devil's kicking me in the head right now. This doesn't feel good. I know it's the devil. I'm watching his foot over and over and over. When that's happening to you, who are you most aware of? Because a lot of us, in those moments, we do what we can to get out of that situation. And sometimes we do it in the name of God without God. I have to rely on him at all times. In my lowest points, I have to say, God, you're enough. And all I want is you. Some of us, that's a real challenge. Some of us, that's actually pretty easy. Now let's flip it. When I'm in my high points, I need to say, God, you're enough. And all I need is you. And some of us struggle doing that. Because we, we, we sometimes mistake the blessing of God on our lives as our success that we've achieved. Now, has he given you strength and ability to succeed? Yes. But who gave it to you? Well, what about people that aren't saved that are successful? Were they created in his image as well? Just because they don't know how to point to the source doesn't mean they aren't still blessed. What should you be doing with your life? Pointing to the source at all times. Because when you point to the source at all times, you give permission, you give people permission to see the source forsaking anything else. I don't like it when people try to curse an unsaved person for having success. Why don't we actually honor them and help them understand where that success really comes from? If you're not sure what to do in your current season, how many, how many of you would say you're in a process or in a season where there's some unknowns and you're not really sure what to do? If you didn't raise your hand, I don't know if you're breathing. <laughs> Probably every one of us. Lean on the one who
who does know. Amen. And do it honestly. And I had a couple of great conversations with people over the last few weeks. And what we have to be, be cautious of is that we sometimes make up, mix up honesty with unbelief. See, we sometimes go to God and tell him what we think he wants to hear. How many of you have ever been hurt? And then you go, God, I'm okay. You're good. I'm good. I'm good. How many of you have been angry at God? I mean, be honest. How many of you have been angry at God? Now, you're probably wrong about why, but it doesn't change. You had a feeling towards God. That's being honest. Well, if I'm angry at him, does that mean I, I don't believe? No, it means you're being honest. See, we can sometimes over-Christianize our lives and make it feel like, well, I have to be good, trusting, and always like, yay, God, my life's great because I'm a Christian. No. Read the life of Jesus. I don't think anybody that walked with him has been like, man, he's got it easy. I want that life. But he had the best life of any of us. Easy. Blessed without challenges. Does not actually equal a walk that he's called us to walk. Because it's in our trials that we lean into him and show the world he's our source for making it through life. Because everybody in the world is going through something. How many of you know that? And you are an example to someone. Do you guys know that? Every one of you is an example to someone else on this planet. You're showing them either how to believe or how to avoid. I was having a conversation and with someone and they were, they've been contending with a friend that has been fighting cancer for a while. And the diagnosis went really good and then it got bad and it's just kind of been slowly going down. And they asked, I'm not sure what to do. Do I stop believing for this? Because I'm hurt, I'm scared, I'm angry, but I don't want to be that because if I'm hurt, scared, and angry, does that mean I don't trust God? No, that means you're being honest. As long as that, those feelings don't lead to unbelief. As long as those feelings don't actually push God away, then they're okay. But if you bottle them up and try to actually act like you don't have those feelings, you begin to harden your heart. Because the only way to hide things is to harden. So when you harden your heart to the emotions, the honesty that you feel, you're actually preventing yourself from being fully open to God. Now, how many of you think that God doesn't know the truth anyway? It's kind of funny if you think about that. I just, I'm not going to tell God. How'd that work out for you? In Psalm 10, David cries out to God and expresses his feelings of distance and abandonment from God. 
you don't believe it, it's in the Bible. You can read it. In the very next chapter, he's talking about how God is there for him, and he's near, and he's victorious. Is David bipolar? Or is he honest? David had a real relationship with God. The Bible refers to him as a, as a man after God's heart. But he would tell God, I'm angry, I'm confused, I'm hurting. Why have you put yourself so far? Why have you left me out here alone? God, you are so good, you're so near, you're so close, and you are my victory. It's okay to be honest as long as it brings you to him. It's not okay to be honest if it drives you from him. I think a lot of Christians get caught in the pattern of telling God what he wants to hear instead of how they really feel. And being real doesn't actually disqualify you from being close to God. It actually is a qualifier for being close to God. Because like I said, you're an example to someone. How many of you interact with me at all in this life? Okay. How many of you have ever heard me say, I'm having a hard time? I don't want to hide the reality. Now, how many of you know Christians that it's like, no matter what you ask, I'm good. God is good, brother. Yes, he is. How you doing? I'm good. You're bleeding out of your left side. Yeah, but it's holy blood. I'm good. See, sometimes you think vulnerability and honesty is actually weakness. It's one of the greatest strengths you can have as long as it's not pulling you and everybody around you away from the trust in God. You harden your heart to being honest towards God after time, the words that come out of your mouth reflect the hardness in your heart and the hidden things that you think he doesn't know. And what you teach the people around you is that don't be honest with God because he'll push you away. When the reality is that you've been pushing him away with your dishonesty. That's not even in my notes. That was just for somebody in here. Do you trust that God is not only guiding you in the good things, but in all things? Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Nothing in there is saying that he only takes care of the good things and it's only good things that he leads you in. It's all things. And our need to lean not on your own understanding. Our need to understand the process is one of the biggest hindrances to actually being able to fulfill the process because we get stuck trying to figure it out and sometimes it's not about figuring it out. It's about trusting I need to trust God in all that he has, all that he says, and believe that he's there with me. 
Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. How many of you know that you're not qualified before you're called? You're called, and that's what qualifies you. All of you are called. If you know Jesus, you're called. If you don't know Jesus, he's calling. You just haven't answered. Listen, Romans 8, 28. And we know that some things... Oh, thank you. Just checking to see if the eight of you that fixed that were listening. And we know that things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. That means that everything that comes against you has to work for you before it's finished. See, we sometimes don't want the fight. What if you actually recognize the fact that anything that comes against you has to at some point bow down and work for you before it's finished. If you knew you won, would you play? If you knew you were going to win, would you play? And everything that came against you would be like, oh, this is annoying, but it doesn't matter. I'm going to win. See, I remember when I was first a Christian, that was what they told me about the Bible. They're like, we win in the end, so everything's okay. It's like, yeah, but it isn't easy. Nobody told me that there was a process. I was just like, we're winners. It's like the billion-dollar lotto that just happened. I didn't win. I didn't buy a ticket, but I didn't win. You have to do something to win. But anything that opposes you at some point will bow down and work for you before it's all finished. Wow, that changes my perspective on the attacks. It changes my perspective on, wow, I'm in a big fight. It's like, whoo, I got big giants about to work on my behalf. See, we sometimes get intimidated by the size of the opposition when you realize that they're actually wearing your jersey, (laughs) that they're going to turn around and work on your side for your behalf before this thing's done. It's like, oh, give me the big guy. Yeah, I'll take the big guy over there. Now, does that feel like it's fun when he hits me the first time? No. But then when he turns around and stands next to me, it's like, (laughs) all you little ones I didn't pick, he's going to hit you now. (laughs) He's on my team. Everything that comes against you has to work for you before it's done. Can I get the worship team to come up? I don't know why. It's like what we do. How many of you love our worship? You know, it's funny. We honor and bless our worship team whenever we get the chance. And I've had the pleasure, and I know 
lot of the people on the team have had the pleasure of traveling around to different places in the country, different places in the world. And I know I had to get over something early on. It's like, it didn't sound, some places I go, it's like, it doesn't sound the way I like it. But that doesn't have anything to do with what they're ushering in. Because I've actually been in little places with two or three people leading worship that I didn't understand what they said and what they did say didn't sound real good to my ear. But boy, they were going after the heavenlies. And I could feel the presence of God in what they were doing. This house is called to bring the encounters and the presence of God. And we are called to be a worshiping house. And our worship leaders, our worship teams, the people that are on the... I mean, every aspect of who our worship community is, they don't actually do this for you as much as they do this for him. They really would love for you to join in with them and come on, but they actually lead worship towards the throne room, and we get to partake in that. I just want to honor them right now. Why don't you guys just stand up? Let's just honor them. And if you're in the worship community out here, we just honor every one of you right now. We are spoiled with people that long and hunger to worship the King. We've got such a blessing with them. I want you guys to stay standing. Before service, I had, I had stuff written, but then I wrote this right before service, and I felt like I was just supposed to make a declaration over everyone, and that you were supposed to hear what's being said. But I also felt like when I was doing it, I felt like there was going to be a response to what was said. I don't even know what that looks like. So figure it out. If you want to float in the air, if you want to roll on the ground, if you want to yell, scream, come to the front. If you want to go home, go grab pizza, whatever it is you respond to. But I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to not just listen with your ears. I want you to listen with everything that's in you. And the the temptation will be to open your eyes to see what's going on. Keep your eyes closed and actually be in a place where you're hearing these words spoken over and in you. That's, That's how I felt this was supposed to happen. Here is the truth. Every one of us has felt the urge to quit and to abandon the process. Let me tell you, every soldier has felt it, every leader, every champion, every king, every winner, every lion, tiger, and bear, every victorious person has felt the urge at some point to give up. But now hear me. I urge you not to give up on the process. Don't let go of your dreams. I don't care if you don't have money. I don't care if you don't have the help. I don't care if people don't believe in you. I don't care if you don't have the family and the support for it. I don't care if you don't have the background for it or the experience. Don't give up on yourself. Trust what God says about you. Press on until those dreams come true. Don't give up. Just don't do that. It may take you twice as long, but don't quit. You may have to trust him more than others do. You may not see breakthrough as fast, but don't you dare quit. 
Don't quit. You are setting an example of faithfulness in God. You make a difference. You make a difference. Your life makes a difference. No matter how weak you feel, as tired as you are, no matter how many mistakes you've made or are making, you make a difference. There is something the world would lose if you quit. You make a difference. There is something that other people would miss if you quit. There are people that are close to you that would lose out if you quit. Don't dare quit. Stand strong. Trust God. Embrace the process and live your life in the fullness of God. You are called to greatness. You are called to represent the kingdom of God wherever you go. You have everything it takes to be successful in Him. Trust Him. Don't quit. Press on. Don't quit. Embrace the process. Don't quit. Trust God in the process. Allow the process to shape you and change you. Make a stand for what God's put in your heart and don't let anything inhibit you from receiving what he's promised. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.